Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's January 12th, 1959, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Martha and the Vandellas, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, The Temptations, The Four Tops, Diana Ross and the Supremes, Gladys Knight and the Pips, The Jackson Five, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye. Not a bad artist <laughs> roster, I think we can agree for an independent record label based in a residential home in Detroit. But Motown, which began today in history in 1959, made stars of all of those people and changed the way popular music was made. Yeah, it had actually begun with an $800 loan from uh, the family of the founder, Barry Gordy Jr. He founded it as Tamla Records, but added the Motown label later that year. And uh, he simultaneously, also in 1959, he managed to purchase the property uh, on Detroit's Grand Boulevard that would eventually become known as Hitsville, USA, for obvious reasons. The amount of hits that were being created Ranked out of this place was frankly astonishing. Yeah, the story goes that the reason that he created the Motown imprint was that he realised that if he created multiple different imprints under one label, he would get more airplay because radio stations didn't necessarily want to play lots of songs by the same imprint because it was quite standard practice at the time to mention the record label when you played the record. So obviously listeners didn't want to hear the same one over and over again. So he just started dividing his very small roster of artists between these different imprints. He would create several as the years went on in order to spread out the airplay and in order to create the image of an empire. You know, which, which at first he didn't have, but of course Motown would go on to become right from the beginning. He was envisioning how the business could develop into something huge, and that was something that he really got from his parents. They were real entrepreneurs. You know, at various points they ran a grocery store, they had an insurance business, a print shop, a construction company, and it was due to their success that Gordy was able to come to them and ask for that eight hundred dollar loan. It came out of this family fund that was kept for him and his siblings. He had lots of brothers and sisters. He went to them and said, "I would like to borrow, you know, eight hundred dollars from the." family fund and they said yes you may which I think is probably a decision they all came to be very thankful for. Well not quite he actually went to them and this speaks to their status as entrepreneurs I think asking for a thousand dollars and they haggled him down to 800 <laughs> to teach him the value of self-starting and I think there's so much about the way Barry Gordy went about creating Motown uh, which for those who don't know is is called Motown because Motor Town Detroit famous for making cars which basically could still be taught at business Mm. school, right? Even though it was 1959, the way he went about building a brand, the way he went about ensuring that there were consistent values across all of their products, quite aside from the fact that the product they were making was just like the most joyous pop music of all time. You know, Heat Wave, Dancing in the Street, Tracks of My Tears, Where Did Our Love Go, My Guy, My Girl. I mean, just that the fact they had a song called My Guy and My Girl is itself a lesson in the way that Motown worked competitively because you had the writers of My Girl trying to beat the writers of My Guy. It's funny to think that had one of his first careers taken off, we never would have got Motown in the first place because he'd started out as a professional boxer and then uh, he went off to the Korean 
war. And then when he got back, he briefly owned a jazz record store, but it wasn't satisfying him. And his true love really was songwriting as it happened. And though he couldn't read music, he had this really unerring ability to just gauge whether a song had the elements of popular appeal or not. And that core skill was what he segued into, recognising not just good performing artists, but also really, really good songwriters. Yeah, his big break was becoming a songwriter for an up-and-coming artist called Jackie Wilson. And, and eventually, Barry Gordy was the co-writer of Reap Petit and Lonely Teardrops, as was his sister Gwen. This sort of set up what was going to be kind of the story of his life, which was that his family remained very closely entwined with the company. Lots of them would go on to work for Motown Records. And then over those next few years, as well as writing songs for Wilson, he was learning about the record-making business and learning to become an accomplished producer in and of himself. Eventually, you know, he got to a point where there was this stage of up-and-coming acts on the Detroit scene who are interested in working with him, including Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. And supposedly, Smokey Robinson was the one who suggested to him you should start your own record label. And at the time, the only significant black-owned label was one called VJ, and that was a husband and wife operation. It was quite high profile. They had John Lee Hooker, The Four Seasons, even some early Beatles records, because the US distributor of their British record label wasn't really interested in the Beatles when they first came along, thought they wouldn't be a big success. So they kind of sold the rights off to VJ Records, who obviously were able to make a pretty decent profit off off of those first releases. But it really was, you know, a very white owned landscape. And so the idea of having this black record label that wasn't going to be operating within that niche business model of black records for black listeners, but was going to transform those genres of music from something that was for black people, but some white people also liked, Mm. and that was fine, into something that was aiming from the start for that crossover appeal. I mean, even the phrase Motown sound, you know, it's a, it's a phrase that we've all heard, but it's a euphemism. You know, it's a euphemism that takes away the obvious blackness from the music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not saying it's an R&B sound or it's like the Harlem sound. It's saying this is Motown. This is a new genre that's for everybody. Yes. And in fact, Gordy started as soon as he achieved the incredible success that he did, stamping the sound of young America on his records, you know, really embellishing that. But the other thing that's worth mentioning, I think, in the origin story of all of this is the other job that he had, as well as running a record store, which was working at Ford. You know, he did literally have the idea on the production line at Ford that he could create a record label which would base its uh, production process on the assembly line of a car manufacturing plant. All their artists, regardless of how famous they were, regardless of their gender or age, would spend two days per week in artist development, which is kind of the equivalent of, you know, getting their body sprayed. You know, they'd do choreography, they'd work on their look and makeup, their body language, their self-esteem. It really was treating these artists that were from the area in Detroit that he was from. And it was saying, we're going to turn you into stars in this universalised process. Yeah. And I think for black listeners to see a black record label doing what was, you know, the standard procedure at the time, which was tightly controlling its artists, but with all of the profits going back into a black owned business, that was something that, you know, a lot of people could take pride in. And even over time, you know, the, the Motown did sign some white artists. So they had R. Dean Taylor, Frankie Valli, Kiki D. But black artists remained its bread and butter. So although the images of the artists were being very strictly policed, they were out there in the public eye. Their blackness was not being hidden. Yeah, but still, I think it was also 
at its core that control freakery that brought Motown unstuck. You know, when artists and uh, writers like Holland Dozier and Holland started leaving, having been the things that made the system flourish in the first place, there were these twin currents going on that Motown was declining because it was losing artists and writers, but also people's feeling about what they wanted was massively different in the 70s and then into the 80s than it was in the 60s. Yeah, except it's kind of come full circle, I would argue, in the 21st century, partly because people of all ages can now appreciate just the sheer beauty of of what they created there in the 1960s, but also because of actually the way we listen to music now through services like Spotify and Apple Music. Berry's philosophy of you've got to get them in the first 10 seconds is absolutely how pop music is still written now. I mean, if you listen to something like I heard it through the grapevine, you know, dum, 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 dum. I mean, it's within two seconds, right? Yeah. Stop in the name of love literally starts. Stop. <laughs> you know, <it's> like <laughs> yeah. All of their songs sometimes within the first second have got you in. And that goes all the way back to their first number one by the Marvelettes. Please, Mr. Postman. Again, wait. You know, that's how that song starts. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that is the most 21st century kind of approach to songwriting you can have. Which is why, by the way, when like Gordy sold Motown to MCA Records in 1988, the amount that he sold it for seems massively like low compared to what Motown is all about. He sold it for $61 million. Admittedly, that's not nothing. But you think of like the iconic nature of the business itself and then this backlog of hits. It's like, Mm. it just seems like this sort of practically criminal <laughs> and and actually like the record labels that have since inherited the brand none of them have really known what to do with it you feel like there's a, a new resurgence of Motown waiting to happen something worth mentioning as well is the in-house band that Motown used the Funk Brothers was the name of the Motown band it's basically the same instrumentalist you hear across dozens and dozens of their hits but it's also this sort of open door policy of we have absolutely credible musicians and will take the best people literally from the street. I mean, mm. you know, performers that used to busk would come in and try and get a chance to be a Motown star. Martha Reeves started as a secretary there um, <laughs> and was essentially brought in to provide vocals for the first time on a live mic because a union rep was coming around and they weren't allowed to have instrumentalists playing without a vocalist their recording so they said quick 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 and she jumped in from the office (laughs) so just get a job at Motown as like the janitor or something and (laughs) that's your sort of key to becoming a big a big star (laughs) (laughs) and so another week of retrospecting ends but next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday patreon.com slash retrospectors mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market